Welcome to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and on this podcast, we talk about marketing. So to start it off, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Chris Roach. I am the CEO and founder of Catalyst Consulting. We are a revenue and pipeline growth focused marketing agency. So we work with a lot of B2B SaaS companies at implementing very sophisticated demand generation techniques to ultimately drive true results that are going to lead to measurable ROI rather than a lot of other agencies kind of look at more of the, the vanity metrics. You know, if it doesn't make a dollar, it doesn't make sense is kind of our approach with marketing. Ooh, I like that. That'd be a good slogan. It doesn't make a dollar. It doesn't make sense. So what are you obsessed with right now, kind of in marketing business? Is there anything that you've been recently obsessed with? You've been obsessed about it for a while. Anything come to mind? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, one of the big things that I'm putting personally a lot of time and effort into right now is TikTok. Um, it's something that it's a newer platform for B2B marketing, which, you know, it's not a new platform. It's been around for a very long time. Um, unfortunately, with B2B, it tends to take us a while to spot opportunities, whereas with B2C, they're always, they always seem to be ahead of the game with it. Um, so right. TikTok has been something that I personally have been investing a lot of time into at the moment in trying to understand. I think there's a tremendous opportunity there for individuals who want to create a personal brand and drive their own brand ultimately to then direct traffic back to their company. Um, and that's really been the avenue that I've been exploring as well as, you know, distributing a lot of content on LinkedIn at the moment organically is something that I've been really focused on for, you know, probably the last four or five months is really been the investment so far. Nice. So just to the TikTok piece, what was it that got you to move? Obviously, I agree with you that B2C, like they were, you know, adopting it much quicker. What was that thing or something that you're like, I have to act now, I have to get on it? Was there something specific? Or was it just like, times now or eventually yeah it just i mean the, the time was now really I, I was producing a lot of content and i i was finding that the the shorter form content that i was publishing on linkedin was doing better um so i was like right i'll, I'll just try and post one on tiktok and see how it does and it got you know reasonable traction but when i repurposed that back to linkedin that was where i saw the largest traction so what i found is that tiktok content on linkedin actually performs a lot better than just normal you know videos that you'll you'll produce for linkedin or even the meme style videos because of the fact that it it takes up a lot of the screen if you're on your phone so mm -hmm. if you're scrolling through your phone there's a lot of people you know on, on linkedin are doing just to consume the content it just takes up a lot of the space on the screen and therefore being able to repurpose that back to linkedin that was where i initially thought let's try it see what happens and i'm still Still in a testing phase don't get me wrong like i'm not years into this i'm still very much in a testing phase and i'm, I'm looking to measure whether this is going to result in you know new clients for catalyst whether it's resulting in new relationships but it, it's something where i'm seeing the right indicators at the moment um, mm -hmm. and that's exciting as we're very early on with this test nice i like that repurposing somebody i talked to recently on the podcast that was their kind of obsession was just repurposing figuring out how to repurpose stuff so that's kind of cool the workflow that you're talking about of how taken from tiktok to linkedin and just the kind of the tactical bit of how it takes up more of the screen i found with like photos or yeah that's a good way to really get people to pause the scroll because it's not like some uh horizontal where you're kind of smaller on yeah. uh, the page did you have a specific hypothesis when you started TikTok or was it more or less, hey, you know, it's obviously blowing up, like I want to get on it and I'll kind of figure out if it's working or not. Or did you have a specific hypothesis? Obviously you kind of said clients or relationships and stuff, but was there 
a specific goal hypothesis yeah not necessarily a, a goal that i'm trying to achieve with it I, I measure so i measure a lot of the the marketing efforts that we do and i, I personally focus a lot on organic for my own brand uh, because it's a longer term investment i have enough clients coming in inbound as it is where i'm don't i personally don't invest in paid for my own brand because we don't need to to scale we've we have a solid um stream of inbound clients that are coming in so it, it's more of a case of how is this going to result in clients coming in through the website and saying hey we saw your tiktok content we clicked on the link you know we'd love to chat with you about some of the the campaigns that you do interestingly i've had more c-level executives reach out to me and say hey i saw your content on linkedin how, how did you do that can you do that for me? And that's something where we currently don't offer this as a service to be able to, you know, produce the content and do the video um, editing for other companies other than our clients. But it's been interesting seeing that kind of the, the lack of transparency as to how do you get from, you know, an interview like this to having great looking content on LinkedIn that you can then repurpose mm. across four or five different platforms and chop it up, you know, seven different ways. And then this one hour video is suddenly 20 pieces of content. And that's where I think there is uh, a little bit of a lack of understanding is the best practices to do that hmm. yeah for like people like i'm guessing you and i who are in marketing repurposing is kind of a hot topic but if you're not it's it's very confusing how do i do it it's you know speaking a different language per se and people like you people can kind of break it down of hey it's not that hard it's actually easier than creating 100 separate pieces exactly. you just create one meta or one kind of pillar as Gary Vee might call it and then you just break that up into a bunch of them nice nice that's a that's I, I'm really enjoying hearing consistent themes as I start to speak with you know marketers or people like you and it's like okay they're all kind of saying the same thing different things are saying it differently but they're saying repurposing you know so that that's really key and hopefully the two to three people that tune into this podcast kind of catch that is what are the themes that continually get brought up so that's that's awesome one question that I struggle to answer myself so I'm glad I'm not the guest today is how do you define marketing like what is the job that marketing should accomplish for a company yeah and I think this is uh, a topic that is often incorrectly answered in, in you know how do you define marketing because a lot of people misunderstand marketing for sales or vice versa so a lot of companies will implement what they call a marketing strategy but it's just a sales enablement strategy if you're just producing marketing to get a lead come in to enter your sales pipeline to nurture to have your sdr call and eventually try and close that's not marketing that's sales that's just leveraging tools that you have for sales for me mm. marketing is about creating the the brand awareness and the really the solution awareness and it's educating your potential buyer that they even have a problem what that problem is how your particular solution is the answer that they're looking for and then as you move further and further down that funnel you have the the capturing of right now the intent is there let's now bring you on and have a conversation with one of our account executives with one of our sales reps with whoever that point of contact is within the company but good marketing focuses on educating before trying to sell and that's where i think a lot of companies make this mistake is they get caught in this mql hamster wheel where all they're doing is just taking you know hundreds and thousands of, of leads uh you know a, a month that they're 
generating through their marketing campaigns or quote-unquote marketing campaigns and then they're just sending that off to sales reps and they're wondering why they have a less than one percent conversion and you have to have then mm -hmm. a 30 40 person sales team just to keep up and that's a i mean a different topic kind of the you know sales rep versus marketing is, is another thing we can get into later on but that for me is where there is this this blurred line people don't seem to understand the difference um, and good marketers mm. do and they're making a lot of influence uh, currently with implementing these well thought out demand generation techniques hmm. yeah that was really that was a good way of kind of creating that dichotomy of obviously sales and marketing there's a lot of overlap but really creating that division of you know the marketing is almost creating or you know showing hey you have a problem kind of category designing per se, doing more of that, where the sales is obviously, hey, you're interested, <laughs> let's actually, quote unquote, see if it's a right fit, where, um, yeah, the MQL and all that stuff, I haven't had a ton of experience in like those types of companies, but obviously from hearing so many different people talk about it, it does seem like a huge struggle where you're creating eBooks or things that just aren't good because you're trying to reach this level number per se of MQLs where then you just have more effect or more impact by just slowing down and saying, let's actually focus on who is that right person who needs to hear the message. Are we even solving like a problem? Like, or are we just trying to, uh, is our software or is our service actually uh, fitting a need or do we need to kind of do some actually business strategy adjusting for actually marketing to do um, anything? Cause I like to think about marketing as something that like can help, but if the foundation isn't there, it's just going to almost be worse because you're just, you don't have a good strategy, no differentiation. There's things you need to do before marketing. So I think, yeah, like that marketing definition is such a broad term that I hear many different people have many different definitions for mm -hmm. it. But I like how you kind of tied it to the difference between kind of sales and marketing where each falls. Obviously, like I said, I think there's some overlap. What is one of your strongest held beliefs? And you might have kind of touched on it, but like a strong held belief you have about marketing, something you know you're willing to put the flag down on and totally die for in marketing. Yeah, I mean, one of my strongest beliefs with marketing is creating creating marketing that is going to result in a true ROI and that being the North Star and the, the metric that you measure. It doesn't matter if your cost per demo cost per consultation cost per lead whatever you want to call it that cost is irrelevant and the fluctuations that you'll see with that is completely irrelevant as long as you're able to still prove that you have a profitable customer acquisition cost and when you break it down per channel it's a lot easier to understand which channels are going to be more profitable for you but i think this obsession with vanity metrics and as someone that owns a marketing agency and i, I worked with clients that have you know come from other marketing agencies and they say hey you're not going to you know talk about the the cost per click this week it doesn't matter it, it's irrelevant yes they can be very high level indicators as to is your content resonating is your content generating initial reaction? Are you seeing video views go past 50% consistently? Things like that. And that leans into more of the consumption of the content. But in terms of measuring is marketing successful, the only question that I want to know is, is it generating revenue? And at what rate is it generating revenue? How profitable is it? And how quickly can I put that dollar in and get five out and consistently do that? Mm -hmm. And that's the way I run my business with all of my clients. That's why I say I'm a revenue and pipeline growth focused agency. I'm not someone that's going to create organic posts for you and email campaigns and things like that. It's There is a place for it. Um, and I think that's something that typically should be handled in-house, if I'm honest. I don't think you need to outsource that to a marketing agency. I think outsourcing any organic 
content to a marketing agency sets you up for failure because you typically are the one that has the expertise and therefore you have to produce that content. But in terms of measuring the paid acquisition, that's really my specialty and where I see marketing really driving true results. Hmm. So actually making a true impact rather than just these vanity, hey, we got X amount of followers without tying that at all to, hey, it doesn't mean revenue anything. over. Yeah, and, and yeah. unless that follower is going to buy something from you, in my opinion, <laughs> it just it, it's just it's, it's vanity metrics yeah. and it's produced by marketers that don't know what they're doing and have this this really this facade of right we're going to just tell these metrics to potential clients and it's infuriating because when you have clients that are used to that it's almost an, an adoption for them it's like you need to take a step back and let's look at how much have you actually generated from your ten thousand dollars a month over the last 12 months what is that roi and if it isn't there why is it not there what is not working what is broken because we need to fix that before we look at implementing anything else um and and that's the first step that i'll take with any client Hmm. No, that's good. Yeah, I think vanity metrics are really anything that's easily measurable. We try to focus on because it, it, like I said, it's easily measurable. We can say, hey, we went up in whatever, but you can also almost say the same for profit or for revenues. It's it's also kind of not easily maybe attributed, but it's easy to monitor and say, hey, since we've started doing X, Y, or Z, we've gone up, we've gone down. Okay, it's it's working or not, but it's, you know, we've gained more followers. Well. That doesn't really matter if we've gone down or whatever. We need to stop this channel, stop this tactic. So always tying to revenue, I think, is something that uh, is really key. So do you find, how do you think then about, because you talked a little bit about like brand marketing, brand awareness, which would be kind of done by brand marketing. How do you find the balance of brand marketing, performance marketing, like driving ad, running ads, doing all these things, performance marketing, but then also doing kind of content shows, whichever that then obviously drives, hopefully, long-term ROI through brand marketing. How do you think through that dichotomy of the two? If you are currently running a multitude of different marketing, you need to sit down and figure out which is resulting in the lowest cost per customer acquisition cost. So if you are doing webinars and you are just doing more performance marketing, if you are doing more brand awareness, whatever channels you're currently doing, you need to break that down and look at what's producing the lowest customer acquisition cost, not how many leads is it bringing in. And you can obviously break it down with leads, conversions, opportunities, closes. You know, you can break it down like that. But if you've spent $30,000 in the last 12 months on X, Y, and Z, and it hasn't resulted in a sale, then that needs to be stopped. And that's where, again, you know, there is a mix for companies that want to start implementing things. You have to test. It's, you know, as, as a marketer, you have to test certain things. You have to be able to test, you know, is producing this content going to work? Is this going to actually result in clients? The easiest way to attribute that back rather than trying to rely on, you know, marketing attribution software, which, you know, frankly, every marketer, I think at this point admits it sucks. It just doesn't work. There is a big breakdown between I watched your Facebook video and it's great. I love what it, you know, I love the video. It, it, it's something that, you know, I resonate with. And then I go and then Google that brand two days later and then their, you know, branded keyword turns up. So I click on that and then I click to request a demo and then the attribution software mm -hmm. turns around and says, right, well, that was from paid search. It's not, it's not at all. And if you're looking at that, you then say, right, we need to shift all of our budget into paid search. And that's where, again, these mistakes are being made very, very frequently. Um, so by being able to focus more on what is truly resulting in revenue, which the easiest way to find that out is to believe it or not, talk to your customers. 
And that's where, again, marketers don't want to do it. No marketer wants to pick up the phone. Now, I'm a little bit unique because of the fact that I've spent a long time in sales as well. So I'm perfectly happy to talk to people. And it's something I do with my own business. When we have, you know, prospecting calls, how did you hear about us? Oh, I saw you, I saw the podcast episode. I saw this LinkedIn video. I saw you on mm-hmm. TikTok. Great. Let me mark that in my CRM so I know. So at the end of the year, I can look back and say, right, this resulted in this, this resulted in this. Doing this only resulted in these small opportunities of which nobody closed. Maybe it's not worth continuing to invest in that channel and that's the approach that i i take with clients and i recommend especially when i'm working with in-house sales and marketing teams they have to buy into that process or it's not going to work how do you you were talking about obviously in the demo calls the sales calls kind of asking hey where'd you hear about us is there any other ways that you implement that website forms that you kind of can get around the attribution illusion in the sense of really knowing what's moving uh roi yeah i just so the simplest way i do it is i have a free text entry form on my website and it says how did you hear about us and from there i can attribute that by going through now i'm not getting a thousand submissions a month so it's not hard for me to go through but some of my clients are and even for them it's very simple to go through and figure out which go to which channel the mistakes that i see and companies want to implement this because i'm talking with them like yeah we love that we want to have this you know this self-reported attribution and we're going to give them the drop down menu so then we're going to pigeonhole them into it And that, again, is a fundamental mistake because you're giving them the answer. And more often than not, they just pick the top one because they don't really care. (laughs) Whereas when you require it and you put it as a free text entry, they may say, hey, I saw you talking with Jordan. That obviously is a podcast attribution, but talking with Jordan doesn't, you know, there's not a drop down for that. So people are going to submit it in different ways. And there's obviously a little bit of common sense has to be used to attribute that to the right channels. But people will tell you if you ask them and if you require that. And I've seen more and more from my own personal experience with, you know, my own brand with Catalyst is a lot of it is driving from LinkedIn. And it doesn't always say, hey, I watched your LinkedIn video. Hey, I watched this video that you talked about this. I know I've only produced that on LinkedIn or I know it's been it's been recently distributed on this channel. So I know to be able to attribute that. Too many companies don't allow them to free enter it. They don't require it, um, which is a, a fundamental mistake because then you're just relying on the attribution software or they give examples or suggestions in the in the faint text in the box, which again, just leave it blank. Let people tell you because if you if you do that and you and you get an unbiased answer, it will allow you to drive the traffic and the the advertising budget into the right places organically so that you don't have to try and guess where to go Hmm. yeah you get closer to the truth rather than uh like semi-truth of a podcast or whatever that drop down option is they can actually you know go because it might be a guest that you were on so it's really that's different than a podcast you host but if you just have podcasts you really don't know the differentiation between was it my own show was i guessing on a show like yeah so i like that getting closer to the truth is obviously kind of i think what's inherent in that allowing them to write whatever uh, they want down there and also having that on the form just in itself is huge you know huge move from just using kind of analytics that only can tell you so much or really tell you kind of a a different story Mm -hmm. no that's good that's good so what is you kind of talked a little bit about testing that you kind of like you were talking about costs, you know, which one is bringing you the most per the lowest cost, like in testing, do you have a kind of like a scientific approach to how you test things? So if you're going to, you know, do something new or look at something, do you have a way that you kind of how you test things or is it really dependent on the context of what you're testing? It's always going to be dependent on the context of, of what we're testing, what platform, what type of company is it B2B? SaaS is it b2b service is it you know b2b product depending on 
what the industry that we're working with when i'm looking to test things i'm looking to basically continue to tick boxes as i go down you know through the initial testing so the first thing we're looking for is those leading indicators are we able to get the results that we want which you know typically when we're looking at you know very high level demand generation techniques it's looking for consumption are people watching the videos are people consuming that content are they clicking to the blog article are they clicking to view the case study whatever that is are people actually and then when they get to there how long are they spending on the page what's the bounce rate of that page because these are the metrics where this is what matters are people actually consuming if that's your goal whatever you set up and the lens that you set up and objectify your campaigns is what's going to happen so if you're setting up for video views that should be the objective that you want to you know run the is this working kind of test again so once you get those leading metrics then we look to what's the next stage is that then resulting in people coming in and saying right we want to schedule a demo we want to learn more information about this are people then you know more receptive to the brand when your sales reps reach out to them if they are saying hey we you know we want to learn more about this great what do you already know about the product these type of tests can't be performed over a 30 to 60 day period this is a six to 12 month investment you have to use a long-term lens when you're looking at implementing marketing techniques especially when we get into b2b marketing techniques because most of the products that my clients are selling they're upwards of 30 40 50 thousand dollars on the on the low side you're not going to start selling those and most of them have a a sales cycle of between three to six months you can't expect to suddenly have a sales cycle of two weeks and close that all in a month's time it's just not feasible and that's where i think clients go into working with the agency sometimes with the wrong approach and that's why with any of my clients you know we sit down at the beginning and we talk through realistic expectations because i don't want you to have a a, a disappointment when you don't close a million dollars in the first 30 days and if you can do it great like that's then i look like a genius but if you don't i want you to know what a realistic kind of cac payback period is on this and that's what we need to sit down and figure that out right at the beginning to be able to give you those real expectations as to when this can start to kind of hit that hockey stick curve hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. So just something that popped out to me is really kind of having, you know, if we go back to a science experiment, it's having the hypothesis, the goals kind of in place or set before you do anything. So then you actually knowing what you're benchmarking off of rather than just doing something for three months, six months and really having like, you're most likely you're going to go to the vanity metrics. You're going to go to the easy ones. You're like, yeah, it's working because X, Y, or Z rather than really sitting back and saying, hey, time on page is something that matters because we have this white paper that's a lot like we want time on page to be high so then we know that we're looking at that ak you know we're that's the not the controlled in our experiment we're not keeping that the, like so i think that's key from what i'm hearing from you is just being intentional on what we're going to test or what we're what the goal hypothesis is. and then also to your last point it's realizing hey it's going to take time if anything marketing is probably like the thing that takes the longest to really start to you know with testing and stuff that it's going to take like you said 6 12 like it's going to be a long time so what popped in my head is okay if it takes that long we almost need to be really smart at what we're testing like we don't want to be because if it takes so long to test you can't be testing tons of things you have to stick with the one to two to three things you're actually testing to really know do you like do you have any thoughts on just how do you select or really knowing that you might have already talked about of what's like going to what's maybe costing you the most or the area that's bleeding the hardest like how do you know what to test yeah i mean i mean first thing you, you don't you don't test for a month and then change what you're testing because you're never going to get results. And that's something, I mean, you laugh, but that's something that I've seen clients try and implement and yeah. say, hey, this isn't working. We need to we need to redo this or we need to test something else. 
it's been 21 days. Like, what did you expect to... <laughs> and that, again, I mean, this is something that I run into. And in terms of the best way to be able to implement, you know, a new technique or a new, you know, if you, especially if you're looking at switching clients from lead generation to demand generation, it's a really hot topic at the moment. And it's something that a lot of marketers are trying to figure out how to do. Now, with my agency, I pitch clients or potential clients on this a lot. And the best way to be able to switch and, and convince a CEO of a company who has a 10 person sales team who's relied on lead generation techniques for the past five years is to look at this and say, right, over the last 12 months, and let's just use that as an example, what's been the cost of acquiring you know, a lead? Great, it's been $14. Okay, what percentage of those have actually gone to a sales qualified opportunity or even sat on a demo? We can break it down even less, sat on a demo, then gone to an opportunity that's gonna close at 25, 20% or, or higher, sales qualified opportunity. From there, how many of those have actually closed? And then what's your true customer acquisition cost by the time you also factor in how many sales reps you've got working on that? And when you look at this approach, the cost goes through the roof. And that's where people don't understand it. The cost goes through the roof. So then when you look at, right, now we're going to switch to this technique and we implement this. And I have a client right now that we switch from lead gen to demand gen. And now we're, we're on month six of working with this more of a demand generation technique. The sales qualified opportunities is already 5X what they had last year in the first six months. And they've already closed a quarter million dollars from this, which is significantly more than they closed from the percentage of sales qualified opportunities that they had last time. And they're seeing that in this six month period. But on month three, they turn around and said, well, we've only had, you know, X amount of leads come in or X amount mm. of schedule, you know, schedule a demo. What's going on? Because their sales reps don't know what to do. And that's where a lot of companies overinvest in these areas. They don't look at measuring this the right way. And they really, they have a, almost a jaded view of what customer acquisition cost is because nobody count, nobody, nobody factors in the 60 grand a year plus commission for the 10 sales reps. And that's where, again, when you look at mm -hmm. it like that, you can scale very, very quickly when you have a good demand generation uh, strategy that's, that's executed well, but you have to be willing to break past that six, nine, 12, even 12 months and above period, because that's when you start to see kind of the, and reap the rewards of the investment that you've made so far. And the best way that I've found to relay that to CEOs, CMOs, VP of sales is to be able to say, hey, this is what happened last 12 months. This is what we've already done. If by the end of the 12 months, this is not performing, then we can stop and we can have that conversation. But you have to give me at least the same opportunity than you've given everybody else to do this because uh, you're not comparing apples to apples. And sure enough, after 12 months, it's a 10x difference and they forget they even knew what lead generation was. And that's <laughs> where, again, it, it, it's, it's a very it's a very difficult thing to pitch clients on this because you have to push back on a lot of their pre-made assumptions, a lot of their beliefs, and it's almost reinventing the wheel with some clients. But once you get that buy-in, it can be really, really powerful. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I think what you're kind of saying is you, it's a change of thinking. Like it's obviously yeah. action changes, but it's almost more or less, which if you look through, you know, religion and a lot of like, it's really hard to change someone's thinking of like, I believe the world to be this way. You're telling me it's this way. If I'm wrong, then I'm whatever. And there's so many things that make it difficult for someone to say, hey, you know, I'm going to change my way that I think, because if I don't change my way that I think I can do all the stuff you're preaching, but I'll still be in like three months. Why isn't it better yet or whatever? So, and that's why like for my daily newsletter, I talk about really thinking about how you think about marketing, because if you don't change that, or if you don't begin to chip away at improving how you think what you do or any of that really brings 
minimal value or you won't stick with it long enough because you're still thinking through the old way of thinking about kind of as you're talking about lead generation rather than adopting this new category this new mode of kind of thinking this point of view which is challenging you have to kind of relearn which i i find as i speak with people is one of the challengingest things nobody teaches you how to like relearn something how to say hey i was wrong this didn't work you know and kind of like you're saying results maybe are the way that it does change of say hey i'll keep my thoughts like neutral and then after this much time we'll look at the results and maybe those results will confirm me of hey like you said 10x better now i believe the new way of thinking but you have to almost get away from the old way maybe not believe the new way but be neutral on like i'll trust you but the results, yeah. if they don't speak, I'm going back to my old way. And that's what it is. It, it, it's forming trust. And, it, and it's working with someone that knows what they're doing. It, it's finding mm-hmm. you know, finding a strategic partner that can implement a campaign that they've had proven success with other similar companies, being able to find someone that can do that, implement that with your company, and have that relationship where you just trust the process. This isn't, you know, we're not trying to we're not trying to trick you into doing this there is no you know specific additional value for somebody switching from lead gen to demand gen uh, you know that the, the intrinsic value that that marketer would somehow gain but it is a much better approach when executed well and, and there has to be that level of trust otherwise it's never gonna it's never gonna work it's always gonna break down if you work with clients that don't trust that you know what you're doing and you're the expert that's why clients hire me is because I'm the expert and I can tell them, hey, this is the success we've seen with this. These are real results. This is the approach that I'm going to take with you. And this is what I expect to see. Then if in six months, if we're above or below, we can look at why that is and be able to provide insights as to ways to potentially improve that or why things are going really well. It's constantly being able to just provide clarity because it is a little bit of a black box when it comes to you know paid advertising. There aren't a massive amount of people in the world that are, know how to do it at the level that you know myself and a lot of other you know very top marketers do. So being able to put it in layman's terms is very helpful for people that don't necessarily do this on a day-to-day because I think a lot of marketers take it for granted and you know talking with you you obviously understand exactly what we're talking about a lot of people wouldn't be in that situation if they don't have that background and that again I, I came from software development where previously where I was selling software development services very similar you know experience where you have to be able to sell you know for me it was selling to non-technical founders now with marketing it's selling to non-technical marketers and that and that's really kind of the how I think my background has led me to this position where I've been able to very easily convey the techniques that I will do. Yeah, well, I think just to your point about being an expert, the more that you know, the easier you can articulate things in simple terms. Like if you can't teach it to a five-year or a fifth grader, you don't know it well enough. So I think inherently what you're saying, yeah, you have a way of doing it simply because you actually truly understand it. Just like a physicist has a way of explaining things very easily to me that I'm like, that would take me so long to understand. But because they know it all, they can easily kind of give it on a platter that is quote unquote digestible mm-hmm. and not just like, ah, oh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I have a, one last question before I get into my two final questions, but what is something you believe that few other people like you, marketers, people that run agencies believe? What is something that you, whether you actually disagree, like formally with them or not, you see it on your LinkedIn or on your feed and you're like, ah, that's, that's not good. That, you know, makes me pull my hair. Is there yeah. anything that pops into your mind? Yeah, there is. Well, there's a couple. Um, I think the, <laughs> the most, I would say the most I don't know, popular is the right word. The, the one that, the one that drives me nuts, if I'm honest, is companies that only post organic content on their company profiles, whether that's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, they probably have an email newsletter with seven people on that's just their entire staff. Like when companies 
only distribute content and they have a blog that they post once a week on their website and then they share that on the LinkedIn profile and then the CEO likes it and like a, an intern likes that thing. And that's the only reach that they have. The issue is people view organic as free, which it's not. And that's where people, I think, make a big, a big mistake. You have to hire somebody to produce organic content. If you're investing a ton into organic right now, it's not free and there's an opportunity cost of it. If you hire a $90,000 a year copywriter, that's not free. But people don't seem to, to view it as that because it's, it's quote unquote organic and I don't pay for the advertisements. The biggest mistake and where I really disagree is that you shouldn't be distributing content on your own LinkedIn profile as the only one. If you want to put it on there, by all means, like feel free. But you should be encouraging the members of your team to create their own. And this kind of comes full circle to, you know, creating your own personal brands, investing time into creating content. You can't, can't outsource that content. I won't do organic content for any company because of the fact that I'm not the industry expert on anything other than marketing. And therefore, I'll produce my own content, but I won't be producing content for, you know, a, a financial services company that I work with. They have to provide the content to me because they're the industry experts. And if you're selling to a CFO, that CFO wants to consume content that has been written by a CFO, mm -hmm. not by Chris Roach from Catalyst Consulting. That's of no value to them. So looking mm -hmm. into this approach of organic, I think a lot of companies miss the mark on organic in terms of the type of content that they're creating. I think they really miss the mark when it comes to distribution. Where I view organic as, and where I fundamentally disagree is on that distribution, I view paid as a way to guarantee that your organic post and your organic content is being consumed by the right audience. And this, again, comes back to what we talked about with the demand generation techniques. We're talking about focusing for consumption. You can have the best explainer video, the best blog article, whatever that topic is in the world. But if the only people that see it are your CEO and your marketing intern, it's of no value. And that's where you can leverage the paid advertisement to be able to guarantee consumption of well thought out, well curated messages that resonate with your target audience. And when done at scale, that's when you can start to really have a compound effect with the content you're producing. Hmm, that's good, that's good. So I always like to end the podcast with two specific questions, or at least uh, for these first ones that have been. One will be really on kind of all the topics we've been talking about, and one will be a little bit off of it, but related. So the first question that I find super interesting to hear from, uh, you know, great thinkers is, what is one thing you've changed your mind on in regards to marketing business in the past one to two years? So, hey, I believed this. Now I believe this because X, Y, or Z. Is there anything that comes to your mind that you've kind of changed radically or thinking on in the past one, two, three, four years? I think the biggest thing I personally have changed my mind on is the value of TikTok for B2B marketers and for B2B mm -hmm. selling. Um, I just thought it was a bunch of high schoolers dancing around to be honest with you and over the last <laughs> couple of years i've invested my own time in understanding the type of content that's going to do well on tiktok understanding the type of content that my clients can produce and now for myself getting into initially testing that and just seeing the ease and the ability to connect with other b2b marketers and sales leaders on tiktok it's it's something that I think you saw really in, in, it reminds me of LinkedIn when it first started and how easy it was to connect with experts. Um, one of the, the big values that I see with TikTok, which is a little bit, and, and this goes more to my sales background, is you have 
CEO and founders of companies with, you know, 100,000 followers on LinkedIn who you have to add an email to connect with them and you have to, you know, all this gated way to approach them. And yet when you go on TikTok, they have seven followers and haven't posted. But if you message them, they respond. So from a sales perspective, mm. you can connect now with, you know, true industry leaders very, very easily because they're all trying to figure out it as well. You know, there's a lot of B2B marketers right now and myself included, we're all just testing. Nobody really knows what we're doing yet. And we're looking at different inspirations from outside of marketing techniques that are being used on TikTok. We're looking for examples of what we know. We know video is going to perform better. You know, we know short form is going to perform better. We know subtitles and things like that. And, and everybody is testing. But in my opinion on TikTok right now, nobody really knows what they're doing. So you get a lot of people that are testing regularly, consuming the content, and there is a huge opportunity to really make a name for yourself right now as a B2B marketer on TikTok um, and to be able to really reach out to influential individuals that maybe you wouldn't have that same exposure on LinkedIn or at events or calling them or, or whatever. It's very easy to get in contact with very influential people on TikTok right now. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm going to still keep my thinking on TikTok being useless. But no, I, I enjoy to hear kind of we'll that see. as I definitely see. <laughs> no, no, I, I I just find with like the algorithm and stuff, uh, my wife is was I don't think she still has the app, but she got quickly addicted to it. So yeah, I, I get all the points. I'm just someone who uh, if I went on there, I'd probably be on there for like seven hours a day. So I'm going to keep it. But I think down the road, I will uh, definitely be on a podcast one day and say that's what I changed my mind on is that, you know, TikTok has value for B2B. And uh, obviously for B2C is it's already kind of validated that. So that's a good that's a good takeaway because um, my two to three people that are my audience, uh, I definitely don't preach a lot about TikTok and all that. So they'll, they'll definitely enjoy that different kind of uh, perspective. So the final question that I find super interesting talking to people about is what is one thing outside of marketing and business that you do that actually helps you with marketing and business? I, I coach uh, my nephew's soccer team. So I mm. deal with children on a regular basis. <laughs> So okay. with business and with clients at times, um, it teaches me a, a lot of patience. Um, it, it teaches me how to, I mean, first of all, I have an English accent. I coach an American team. The first time I coached them, they had no idea what I was saying. I'd use different words. You know, I, I, I'd be talking about, mm. you know, on the soccer field and the football field. And it just wasn't understood when I first started coaching. And, and I think that's a good lesson in, you know, when you're talking as a marketer, as an expert marketer, when you're talking with clients who aren't as familiar with you, and this goes back to kind of breaking it down to layman's term, being able to communicate much more effectively, that's a lesson that I learned. Um, and it's something that I've, I've continued to impress on myself with, you know, the way I communicate with clients, the way I can simplify, you know, very complex marketing strategies into, you know, simple conversations like this and, and kind of the, the solution, the value that you're going to get out of implementing these rather than necessarily, you know, the steps between A and B. It's more of how do you get to point B. And I think for me, that's something that I have, um, you know, I take a lot away from that. And there's a lot of lessons. I think as a, as a marketer and a business person, you can find lessons anywhere if you look, you know, if you're looking for them. Um, for me, I would say mm -hmm. that is one of the ways I've I've learned outside of marketing. I also listen to a, a ton of podcasts and read a ton of books when I get the chance to. Um, so it's, you know, there are different ways that I'll consume that content as well to kind of further my own education. But in terms of practicing something that's completely unrelated, 
if you're a business person, you know, try coaching a bunch of five-year-olds. It's like herding cats. <laughs> it's a good lesson on patience and communication. Oh, I love that. That's something I've yet to hear yet. But that was, yeah, I can only imagine. I've done little coaching, but yeah, if you can get them to change the, like how they do stuff, you'll definitely be pretty good at kind of convincing someone to change their thinking on marketing. Uh, definitely. That's great. Well, I always enjoy the last kind of few few seconds for you to just plug anything you want, any podcasts, any kind of content, your website, anything you'd like to share, like I said, with the two to three people that are still with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If anybody has any questions and wants to reach out to me, um, LinkedIn is going to be your best way to connect with me, um, best way to follow the content that I'm you know, producing. I, I produce a ton of content on there. Um, I'll be chopping up this video and you know, repurposing a lot of this content as well. So that's the best way to connect with me. Just type in Chris Roach, Catalyst Consulting, and I'm sure you'll provide a link on the, you know, on the podcast somewhere as well. Um, but no, really appreciate the, the time today and really appreciate um, you, know, you putting this together and you know, the, the insightful and thoughtful questions that you've asked as well. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and you know, would love to obviously do this again in the future. And in 12 months, I'll tell you how much we've, we've sold through TikTok and you'll, uh, <laughs> you can say you were wrong. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a huge believer. Well, yeah, thank you. This was a pleasure for me as well, Christopher. Thank you. And uh, yes, I'll have in the show links uh, your, your LinkedIn, and then I'll definitely go on TikTok too to link your TikTok to increase uh, that. So thank you again for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Yep, anytime. Thanks. This is the end.